Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for introduction and uh, spending time, the precious time to come out tonight, inshallah. Jazakallah for introduction and I'm really honored and thankful for the organizers, especially Sister Aya, who invited me. I was really blessed to come present to you, inshallah. Um, so, look, the introduction that was given. Okay, if you look at that picture, guys, parents versus drugs and alcohol. Um, put your hand up if you know the answer. Is alcohol a drug or not? Is it a drug or not? So that doesn't make sense, right? Because <laughs> an alcohol is a drug and drugs are alcohol. So we need to understand the nature of drugs and alcohol. Um, another thing I learned while researching this, uh, alcohol is the most frequently used drug in the world and legalized drug. So that gives us some kind of exposure to understanding what we are going through as youth. Well, not me in particular. I passed my youth many years ago. What our youth are facing with regards to exposure to, to alcohol. Um, okay, I'd like to go through a brief introduction of myself again, because you need to know my background. Um, some rationale of the topic, why I've chosen this. Some very basic social attitudes towards drugs and alcohol, youth exposure, and you can see the topics. But the main uh, objective today is the curveball of life. And that's our main discussion. It is not about drug addiction, discussing the details of drug addiction. That's a complex issue. It is not about um, why youth take drugs. It's about understanding a problem in, from a parental perspective, or giving us understanding um, of what we, the parents are going through. And maybe I'd like to make it an awareness that these are real situations in our life. And we should not be brushing on the carpet. We should be embracing it and acknowledging it. Um, so about myself, very briefly, I came to Australia many years ago um, as a young teenager, like year four actually. So I've lived in Australia in the 80s. And I'm, I don't stand, I'm not standing from a very virtuous pedestal saying this is haram and that's haram. I've had a past, I don't live there anymore. I live here now too, this is me, right? We all have pasts, but we don't live there anymore. What we need to do is not forget our past, but share our past so we can help people who are going through the same circumstances. So that's my motivation there. Um, yes, I have an Islamic background. I've done social work in EC in Curtin. I've done some other studies on uh, drug rehab, those type of things. So I'm coming from a very um, a good background to understand, a very basic understanding of drug and alcohol rehab. And also I have six boys. So you can imagine the challenges having six boys growing up in Australia. Um, they're not perfect. Um, so we ask Allah subhanahu to guide us all, inshallah. Um, the questions, guys, uh, um, question time, be free to ask any question. Be very open. You are the young minds of the, the nation now. Um, we need to embrace these issues and actually support each other now, inshallah. Uh, why are you here? Why am I here? Okay. Um, I would like to after this uh, little discussion, have a better understanding of drugs and alcohol in relation to Quran. There's no doubt about it. We all know Quran. It's haram, right? Drugs are haram. The Brother Hamza recited a few verses that I've already mentioned, but we won't go through detail. Just at least go away with knowing one verse of the Quran and its prohibition. And one hadith in regards to alcohol. Um, awareness and the challenges faced by youth today. Let's go away with that. Importance of self-care for those of us whose significant friends are involved in these, um, can I call it, uh, you know, 
what, you know, activities, right? Um, open communication, seeking help. And guys, there's no shame in this. There's embarrassment. Yes, there's shame, but it doesn't mean you have to implode. So let's go away with thinking, you know what? This is not my problem, it's our problem. Yeah? Put a perspective on the issue, inshallah. Um, guys, one of the rationale of this. If you look at statistics, which you guys are pretty good at it, you can read that. Um, there's a downturn in young people consuming alcohol. But there's also an understanding that there's young people, they start to think that it's okay to take cannabis drugs because it's, it's a recreational. Um, it's okay to have a drink now and then. That's where the conflict comes in. When we look at Islam, there's no tourist to drugs and alcohol. From Western perspective, you can have a drink or two, yeah? At Christmas, have a drink, have a cup, it's okay. Um, but in Islam, we have a problem here with our youth and ourselves. <clears throat> there's zero tolerance in Islam of alcohol. But we're living in a society where we're always exposed to alcohol in different ways and forms. And the young people today, um, again, these assumptions, these surveys, might not be everyone, they're thinking it's okay to occasionally drink alcohol. It's, a, it's occasion, it's recreational to use illicit drugs because I'm fine. I'm not in that risk spectrum. So, um, and you can see the, the, the survey shows in Australia now, the question here is how many of these people are Muslim that are being surveyed? We don't know. We always think that Muslim youth and Muslims are very isolated, we're protected from these vices. We're not. We are but human beings. We, have, uh, we are tempted. We have certain desires, and we always have that shaitan whispering in ourselves to, you know, get engaged in these sort of things. And we're always involved in the very activities where these um, alcohol and drugs are available. If you look at the very brief um, synopsis of it, young people, you have single occasion risky drinkers, right? I mean, that's a pretty yeah, big, high percentage. Um, abstainers, young people. When you talk about young people in the United Nations, um, definition is from 15 to 24. So who's above 24 here? Yeah, the rest are young people. <laughs> the rest are considered as young people, right? So you're the focus. Um, and if you look at it, look, lifetime risky drinkers, it's on low. But they, the question is, um, are our Muslim brothers and sisters in that categories or not? Um, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us understanding, inshallah, and if we are in those categories, we need to do something about it. But Islam obviously uh, indicates to being abstainers, yeah? uh, staying away from alcohol and drugs in total. Um, the other rationale for this is <coughs> about uh, <coughs> uh, sorry, awareness, experimentation. If you look at our young people, um, there's a lot of experimenting going on. Let's try marijuana, let's try ecstasy, let's try this, let's try that. See how we react to it. Um, and it could be anyone doing it. Uh, they're using drugs, recreational purpose, that's what they use it. It's for fun, guys, it's just for fun. It's one night, one night, you know, one, one go. Um, there's also a lot of dependency on drugs. Now, ask me the question, how do you know all this? Okay. I don't go knocking on people's doors and say, you know, is your, is your son a drug addict? Or do I go and spy on people? No, that's my personal experiences with people. Um, 
And like many others here today, they've been working with families and young people who have uh, abused drugs and alcohol, and they can see the direct effect on their families and themselves. I have personally dealt with families <clears throat> and young people who have been in this situation. It's real. Yeah? It is real. It only, you only realize it's real when it knocks at your door and say, like, oh my God, here it is. Yeah? So it is real out there. Um, we have many organization leaders here today that provide uh, very positive services and they're aware of what's happening in our community. And that's why it's very encouraging that you were here today um, to learn yourself and to be aware of these issues, inshallah. Parents. Um, what motivates is parents are very hesitant to ask for help. They don't want to access support. Why? It's shameful. It is, to a certain degree. It's embarrassing. It hurts. It's depressing to see someone you love so much. When you look at someone's picture when they were six years old, and you see that same person older, and they're, and they're uh, uh, depending on drugs and alcohol. That hurts. That hurts anyone. So this culture varies where we can't talk about it. This culture, that culture. There's a lot of stigma involved in alcohol and drugs, guys. And that always puts us behind um, in addressing this. I love if I use the white man mentality. They say it as it is. All the research I've done and all the therapists and uh, interventions, they were women or men whose sons actually died due to this and they woke up to themselves. And they're not shy to come in front and say, this was my son and this will happen. I don't want it to happen to you. But we, we implode. Let's cover it up. Yeah? Let's all cover it up so we don't, uh, we're not uh, stigmatized, we're not embarrassed, people are disappointed, our reputation is uh, 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 sort of damaged, so we implode. Um, so this, one of the rationale, the motivation of the store is to get rid of that stigma and make us aware that this thing is real, we need to embrace it. I don't want to go through all the verses, uh, Brother Hamza spent that already. We all know, and you can Google it, uh, prohibition of alcohol, it's all there. I'm not here to lecture you on the verses. Um, but I want to take something from this that is very significant in regards to understanding uh, dependency on alcohol and drugs that we can derive from the hadith and the Quran. Um, okay. Translation of the Quran and Mufassirin, um, the people translated, they differ on the opinion of when these verses were revealed. Was it categorically revealed? Like first stage, second stage, till it was finally prohibit prohibited, or was it contextual? Right? But I'm coming from the perspective, and the scholars that say no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew the condition of the people in the time of Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they consumed alcohol, subhanAllah, like we do many water. The alcohol was frequently used. Yeah? I wonder how many alcoholics were there then. <laughs> right? Did they have, yeah, it was just a question. They used to drink alcohol a lot. Um, so the Quran. What they're saying that Allah subhanahu in Makkah al-Mukarramah had to build the Imam to a point, right? Where alcohol is prohibited in the third year of Hijrah. That's 10 years in Makkah and 30 years after migration, alcohol is finally made prohibited. Now, the question is, why not do it straight away? It was such an evil thing. No. The Quran was intended to build their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to a point where when it was made prohibited, they would stop straight away. So this hadith is saying that when the last verse was revealed, um, anyone who had containers and barrels of alcohol, they would smash it. 
Those people who were actually drinking, they stopped it because the iman was closed. Now, the objective of mentioning these is, you know it's haram, we know the verses. Um, final stage is human nature. Today's, um, if you're a psychologist, if you're a therapist, we know everything happens in stages. There's a procedure to abstain from something, right? And you can put this in scenario. If someone is addicted to anything, the abstination is not sudden. You don't go cold turkey straight away. There's a process involved. And I find this very beautiful for us to understand as parents mainly. Actually, my main talk was about parents, but we've got to understand this. There's a process of abstination. There's a process of the, uh, withdrawal of something. Where first you start with the stage. Now the question is, in the Prophet Sallallahu time, there was a process. Now there's no process. It's haram, it's haram. But by nature, we need to understand. If someone's addicted to alcohol or drugs, you can't just apply the Quran literally and making such an intervention where he needs to stop you, either beat him up, put him in jail, or whatever. No, there's a process. We need to understand that. You'll find some people who might be very extreme in that sense, but we don't have to be like that, especially as parents. You can have someone or significant other that is dependent or is using his stuff, they need to be weaned away from it. So that kind of mentality that in the Quran it justifies it, uh, from a psychological perspective, it justifies it. From a therapeutic perspective, we need to do this gradually, right? Um, I'm not saying it's easy. It is very difficult. Not everyone can do that. We have marriages. We have parental relationships, children, siblings, having all these issues with alcohol and drugs, and they don't know how to deal with it because it's a process. And that's very tiring. So, I mean, it's very clear... Um, in the Quran that alcohol is prohibited and when I say alcohol I mean drug anything that intoxicates your mind and if you want to leave with a verse um, you can focus on the last verse but if you really want to look into it go to Google get a reliable site and research it and you get more information provided to you go the way of one hadith today in your mind any liquid anything that intoxicate is harm. Doesn't mean you can have a sip of something, it has the potential of making you drunk. So you know, have these cans here, 2%, 1% alcohol, abstain from it. Just stay away, it's alcohol. It doesn't mean how the quantity is not important, it has the potential of making you drunk. So it's very clear in the hadith in Quran that alcohol and drugs is a no no. As Muslims, we should be abstaining from it in totality. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again to protect us, inshallah, protect our kids, um, and understanding um, the difficulty in that. Okay. Uh, honestly, I think you understand this more than I do, uh, because you're young, you're in the community, you're quite aware of it, um, the social attitudes towards drugs, and the problem I normally have is the people who are here today, they're all straight guys. I'm assuming that. You're ones that are online, you focus, you're something motivated, but um, there's always um, the attitude towards drugs and, and alcohol, it's, it's accepted, it's okay. They're not forgetting what the Quran says about drugs and the negative impacts of that. Um, young people's exposure to drugs and alcohol, it's unbelievable to see that the movies we watch, 
Not knowing me, we expose our kids to drugs and alcohol. Not even knowing that. I'm guilty myself. So the exposure we have uh, towards drugs and alcohol, the attitude we have towards drugs and alcohol, need to be, um, we need to be more aware of that in regards to how this, our kids are being exposed to it. Um, if you look at the bottom, I think what's significant is a lot of people are normalizing um, drug usage. It's okay. It's okay to get stoned. It's okay to use marijuana. I'm still with it. Take it today, tomorrow, I'm fine. I do respect the brothers. There's consequences to that. Um, so what we can see is that um, drugs are okay. Uh, it's a general understanding. If you have discussion with youth, they even discuss, you know, Islam says um, cannabis is okay. They have their arguments. They have their debates. They, they justify it. But we should know that um, drugs and alcohol, it, it's, there's zero tolerance in Islam towards drugs and alcohol. Okay. Exposure to, again, drugs and alcohol. You've been in public schools, you've been in private schools. And um, without denying it, Islamic schools, government schools, it's frequently used. Um, the exposure to that is it's significant. Governments having problems, parents, non-Muslims, Muslims, Islamic schools, they're not protected from this. Um, I'm in Islamic school, and I'm, and I'm not condemning any school, but we also don't um, deny any wrongdoings. It's, it's stupid to deny any wrongdoings. There are young people in there that it's not the school's fault, it's not management's fault, it's not parents' fault, they've just made that choice, right? So in schools, they're exposed to parties and nightclubs, celebrations, um, friends, social media, advertising. There's a lot of things happening for young people, a lot of things. And then you have the psychological aspect, what they're going through. Um, personal, uh, you know, the self-esteem, all those issues happening. And I, I fully understand why they're doing what they're doing. They're hiding something. It's just a cover for the pain they're going through. I mean, that's a different discussion altogether. But I think we need to understand what these young people are going through. Whether it's your son, your daughter, um, it could be your, your, uh, your brother, sister. They are going through difficult times. These things are all cover-ups for what's actually happening with inside of them. Um, there's one student who was a psychologist, uh, and I'm sure she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that what young people are going through. And honestly, guys, um, we all have our own issues. We all want to cover those pains. And we just don't turn towards alcohol, baby. Young kids do. They turn towards drugs. Yeah? So the exposure is quite significant. Parents. I expected more parents. Who's a parent here? Any parents? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I, I actually expected all the parents to come and say, oh, what do we do with our kids? And you know what? It always it sends a message that you know, we're all in denial anyway. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that my son could be taking cannabis. Um, my mom, I used to smoke, guys. Don't smoke. Very bad. Guess how my mom caught me smoking when I was about 16. She washing the clothes. She called me and said, Fayel, get over here. She looked in my pocket and found tobacco flakes. I said, what's this? I don't know. You know when you're a teenager, you borrow a cigarette, you put it in your pocket? And flakes? That's how smart my mom was. But nowadays, we don't even want to know. We don't want to look into pockets anymore. Because what are we going to find? We have to deal with it. We don't even clean our sons or daughters' room anymore because we don't know what's in there. If we find, we have to deal with it. 
Yeah? Um, so parents' knowledge about drugs is very minimal. What's it called? What does it look like? Um, uh, it, it just, it's very, not all parents, right? Um, but the knowledge of illicit drugs in our community is very little. The awareness is not there. I think there should be an actual workshop on for parents on drugs and alcohol and have literal drugs here, not literally, but pictures of it to say, this is a marijuana leaf, this is what it looks like, this is what it smells like. So if you smell something in the house and you say, no, Dad, I'm only vaping, it's not vaping, it's cannabis. <laughs> yeah, that's cannabis, yeah? Um, your, your son comes home, um, straight to the bathroom. What does he do to brush his teeth? Why? We had a drink. Why don't you come and kiss him up straight away? Okay, could you come and kiss me? No, I won't. Then go to the toilet first. He goes to brush his teeth, does all the stuff, then kisses him up. Make it a rule. You come and kiss me. The minute you step inside, I want you to kiss me. And you can smell that. So that's a parent who's with it. Yeah? Um, not in denial, but connected with um, what a drug is, what it looks like, the effects of the drug, the symptoms. Um, there's one thing I've learned. <laughs> you know bum bag? If you see a bum bag and it's got red eye, white eye, so white eye, red eye. Uh, when they use cannabis, the eyes go red here. And after they use cannabis, they go, eyes clear as the sky, right? And then, um, so, <laughs> my son Ali, my kids don't like me, I use an example. He's got actually eye disease, right? So in year six, I was called in. Is your son okay? His eyes are very red, you know? The symptoms is there. He's got cannabis, no, he's got eyes. Went to high school, same thing. So if you're a parent that's connected, um, and you see your son with no eye infection and he's got eye white, no, a red eye, ask the question, what's this for? Why are you doing it? Um, when you wash clothes, ladies, check in the pockets. Be a sticky bee. Hang on. What's this flake? What's this on? Oh, no, it's just, I don't know that. Well, I don't know, someone wore my pants. SubhanAllah. <laughs> Who's gonna wear your pants? Where did this come from? Yeah? Uh, so just, it's just being aware of symptoms of drunkenness, the smelling of alcohol, uh, that type of thing. Look, um, guys, this, I'm just sharing this with you because the objective is that parents need to be with it. We need to, you know, be aware of what our youth are going through. And if we're on top of things, we're there to help them. Maybe not stop them, because that's their choice. They still make a choice. We're there to guide them and help them because we are aware of it. Um, and I'm sure the picture's quite clear. Yeah. Can anyone name those drugs? <laughs> if you name it, it doesn't mean you're taking it, right? It's just, you're, you're aware of it. You're aware of it, guys. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is my perfect scenario. Perfect getaway. With reception. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> it has to have reception, right? I don't care about the toilet. I don't care. It has to have reception and it has to have my wife there. That's a perfect getaway, right? Okay. You're on this perfect getaway and you get the call. Does this work? Hello? How are you? What's your name? You married? What's your name? Ali. Ali, this is Constable John. Oh my God. 
Constable John, yes. Do you have a son by the name of Abdullah? Yes. Um, I'm sorry, sir, do you need to come down to the police station? Boom, boom, boom. He's already heart beating, shaking, anxiety taking over, call his wife over, future wife. What's happening? You need to come collect Abdullah. Why? This old con conduct, we found him drinking. Passed out, conversation. Your whole perfect life gets shattered at that moment. Yeah, that's the curveball. Has it happened? Will it happen? Um, Allah knows best. It's happened to the best of us. Yeah? Um, but this is my main, the main discussion. When everything's going so perfectly well in marriage, you see your kids riding to the madrasa after the topis and the jubbas when they're under 12, yeah? MashaAllah, they're using good words, going to madrasa. The Monday hits 16, oh my God, what has happened? Different world altogether. And we're still, we're still frozen in that uh, old days, right? We haven't moved on. So the perfect world gets so affected. Um, case study, guys. Islam doesn't encourage talking about, uh, okay, the hadith mentions if a person sins at night, whatever sin you do, you don't go in the morning and start bragging about it. Because once you sin, that's between you and Allah, you make tawbah to God. But once you move the next day, you start bragging what you've done, it's a different level, right? But when we share our personal experiences to benefit other people, acceptable. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu, he shared his experiences. Uh, to show people how ignorant it was prior to accepting Islam. I spoke to some parents prior to this and I said, look, could you forward me advice or case studies so I can share with the people that will be present today? Um, I got two responses, the others didn't want to do it. Uh, too difficult. Uh, you probably read it already. And I use the word Abdullah because the servant of Allah, which we all love. Perfect scenario. Have you ready, guys? So I don't have to explain the whole thing. Boy comes home, he's off his head, or he's done something, calls his dad, he needs help. He's going through whatever he's going through. Um, normal kid, good family, displaying severe paranoia, he's delusional, he's seeing things, people want to hurt him, people want to harm him. The normal um, symptoms of whatever, you know. Um, illicit drugs is taken. He's got a small knife on him. Why? People are going to kill me. They're after me. Can you imagine the experience with the parents? And in the household, they've got siblings, they've got young girls, they've got family, whatever the family members are, I'm not sure fully. Um, he thinks the parents are spies. Okay, problem here. There's a few problems. Oh, there's multiple problems here. Um, if you notice, the police were called. Um, and so obviously it's a long story, right? It's a whole episode. And out of that whole thing, now imagine I said that was my son. What would you think of me? Oh, praise my God, what have you done? What kind of father are you, right? I don't say it's my son. It could be. It could be my son, so what? It could be your son. It could be his son. It could be your daughter. It doesn't matter. They don't reflect who we are. Whatever our sons do, whatever our daughters do, it doesn't reflect who we are. That's their choice we make. Yes, they are children, but it doesn't represent who you are. I am who I am. 
And that could be my son, could be anyone's son, right? But it's a true story. Um, let's have a look at this. In that scenario, I mean, that's a terrible situation, right? Um, having a knife, um, being delusional, there could be risks of violence. There could be serious violence, right? And this has happened. Can you identify any positive outcomes in this scenario? Anyone? Any positive? You gotta look at the silver lining in a bad situation, yep? Possible, yep. Yep. This guy, Abdullah, stone out of his head, whatever he was, he was so scared, he came to the safest place he could think of. And that was his home. And who was there? His family. Yeah? So, in hindsight, the family should have said, Alhamdulillah. He came home. He could have been on the streets. He could have been, you know, doing something else. But he came home. He asked for that. Right? So there are positive things in there, but we need to see that. Through all the difficulties, we need to see that silver lining, guys. Yeah? Um, what could the family have done differently in this crisis? Probably many things. Um, how they dealt with it would have been their cultural background, their, their knowledge of drugs and alcohol, their reputation in the community, um, many things. Their status would have affected how they behave with this child. Their child, actually. Um, why did Abdullah come home in that condition? Why did he call for his father? Maybe there's a good connection with his father or his mom, yeah, which is very important. Um, so these young people, when they go through this, they're crying out for help. Right? They're crying out for help. But where do they find it? In places other than their own homes. In places other than the people who claim they love them. Because they've done something wrong, they're embarrassed, they're shy. They don't want to hurt their feelings. There's a big mis a misunderstanding going on. Um, why do you think the police were called? At risk of life, you could have stabbed someone, maybe you could teach them a lesson. That, uh, you know, what you can't do this in the boundaries. There's consequences if you do such a thing. I will call the police again. I will embrace you. I'll support you. But I will call the police. You steal from my house, I will call the police. Boundaries. But it doesn't mean you shun them away. Now, guys, I'm not telling you what to do. Right? Don't go and say, you know what, I did this, Sheffield said, no, I'm not saying that at all. This is just, there's nothing written in, in, in uh, concrete here. You need to, everyone needs to have their own experiences. What I'm trying to do now is just broaden the understanding of how we can deal with situations better. Um, was the family at risk of violence? Yes. Definitely, definitely. Would they be wrong to have called the police early in the night? No, they would not be wrong. Yeah? Are they wrong not to call the police? No, they're not. My point I'm making is that we need to deal with things accordingly. But be aware of that. Um, I think there's a lot of scenarios, um, a lot of questions, a lot of discussion that can come out of that. And, um, and look, if, if I said that was my son, I don't care anymore. Maybe it wasn't, but I don't care anymore. You know why? Because we need to get rid of that stigma. If you ask your mom and dad what you, what, what you did when you're 16 years old, they're not going to tell you, right? But because we're not angels, yeah? Um, but this could happen to any family. Allah has protected many, and some kids have made mistakes. Um, we need to embrace that um, and deal with it as it goes.
Okay. One lady responded to me, and subhanAllah, uh, it brought me to tears, right? A long email, I just sort of congested it down. And if you take away anything from this talk tonight, is what she has experienced. Um, I mean, confidential is very important. You can't recognize who this is. Um, I know the son. He's, yeah, I know him for years. 2017, 70 year old committed, tried to commit suicide. Um, as she says, uh, it was stopped, alhamdulillah. She was pushed into this world of addiction, which is a very scary place to be. Mother already having marital issues, um, forced into this world of confusion, trauma, stress, um, you know, and she, she went right into it. This is a very short version of what happened. Um, so anyway, health issues, um, and in a long email she said when she reached out to the, the family for support, they boycotted her, saying, no, hang on, uh, we're not visiting him as a punishment for what he's done. So there's a whole lack of understanding of what has happened to that young person. This is a young person who has made a, a, a long choices. Uh, it affected his mental health and he reached the point where he thought, you know what, that's it, I'm, I'm done. Um, but this young lady stuck with him um, through all of that, six, a six-year battle. Six-year battle, Habib. Brother, six years, that's a long time. Right? Where a mother would stick by a son through thick and thin when he has made mistakes. Look at that. Look at that. They have made the mistake, but the mother sticks through it uh, for six years. And I mean, that's, that's something really uh, inspirational, right? It is not easy. It's easy to say now, but when she looked back at six years, it was all worth it. The medication she had to take, the counsel she needed, the thera uh, uh, therapeutic intervention she had to go through, the battle with her family, um, and multiplying that with uh, marital issues. Um, in the end, he's doing well, alhamdulillah, after six years. Um, he's got his life back on track. Um, and this is what she said, the brief. Never stop believing in the power of dua and showing, showing up with compassion. It's very difficult to be nice to someone who stabs in the back. It's very difficult to show empathy and walk in the shoes of someone who's deliberately gone and broke his word or her word and followed their friends and reached the point where they're rock bottom. But she says, uh, never stop believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and show a lot of compassion. We hate the behavior, but never the person. It's so hard. Do you ever find that someone, that you, your family, they hurt you so much you start actually hating that person? Imagine that happens to your own son because of what they've done. It's not them, it's their behavior. You don't hate the person, you hate their behavior. Uh, she mentioned behavior is an outcome of deeper unmet needs. Muhammad, that's deep, guys. <laughs> their behavior is an outcome of deeper unmet needs. And maybe that's, that's where we come in. Maybe we haven't been partly, uh, we, we're not there to show them what needs to be done, or we're not there for them. So it's unmet needs, and they go towards alcohol and drugs. So my dear respected brothers, she said one thing, she said for many years,
She tried to fix it. Whatever was broken, she tried to fix it, she tried to mend it. But she came to a point where it nearly broke down. She realized, no, Allah's the fixer. And that's changed the whole perception of how to help someone. If something is broken, a human being is broken, you can't fix it. She turned towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and yes, indeed, He has power over all things. What else can we do, guys? Can you imagine the effort, the psychological strain, the emotional stress, financial loss, when you try to run behind someone trying to fix them, and when they don't want to be fixed? Okay, yep. So much to say. 15 minutes, let's go. Parental dilemma, guys, I won't be long. What do we do? As parents, what do you do? Do you go to the chef? Do you go to the psychologist? Do you kick the guy out of the house? Do you beat him up? Do you ground him? Do you, what do you do? Because whatever you do, it doesn't seem to work. So we're in a dilemma, right? You go to the chef, he tells his haram and see you later, buddy. No offense to you. You go to uh, I uh, want to go to a family member, it's too embarrassing. How can I tell them? Uh, go to a friend, you're scared they're going to tell the rest of the world. So what we do, we implode. We just live with it. A lot of problems come to that. Uh, my dear respected brothers, out of today, if we have to leave with something, let's leave with acknowledging that we are not perfect. And if we have made mistakes, that's fine, it's done and dusted. If we find someone else that have made a mistake, do not, do not walk away from them, no matter how hard it is. Have your boundaries, but don't walk away from them. You could be the key to this uh, salvation. Yeah? Um, I, need, I need to call up another speaker for five minutes, so I'll rush this through. Okay. So you're in this position. As I said, this is mainly for parents. When you have a scenario, that curveball comes in your life and that phone call, you get the pickup, or you smell that, you know, that um, the breath, the, the alcoholic breath, and you realize, hang on, this guy or my daughter experimenting. Uh, the signs are there. Yeah, you're aware of it. The signs are there. So, do you acknowledge that something happened, or do you deny it? Nah, it could be cough medicine. <laughs> I was in uh, one Islamic school, and there's one teacher. Well, I could swear I could smell alcohol. I could sweat alcohol, and I said, this is in primary, many years ago. I still remember, <laughs> I can shoot alcohol, uh, not a Muslim. And I went to her, I said, look, um, I'm, sister, you know, I, I, you, I can smell it. I said, no, it is cough mixture. And, you, and I said, you are lying so much. <laughs> the body language, you know, uh, it was everything, right? She was an alcoholic. Now the school caught on after a while, but um, I wasn't there to deny it. I was going to hit your head on. I think, I think it's my alcohol sister. Nah, it's cough mixture. I said, nah, it doesn't make sense. I became a snitch. Snitched, yep. Well, that, alhamdulillah. Yeah? So you either deny it. Nah, it's okay. It's just a one-off incident. Um, um, you come at 12 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock at night. This time, something's happening, guys. Acknowledge it. Don't deny it. Have a discussion. Um, what's happening outside? You know, open up. You either embrace the situation or you reject it. It's not happening to my daughter. It's not happening to my son. It's not happening to my husband. Uh, embrace it. You can choose. You can reject it. That's fine. There's consequences of doing that. When you embrace it, there's even more consequences. Um, when you ask someone 
you love me, you expect a yes and they say no. Oh my God. Then you ask the wife, honey, I've got a serious question. Do you love me? She goes, no. Your books shouldn't have asked that question yet. So when you ask a question, there's consequences. If you ask your son, dad, uh, son, are you sort of drinking? And he goes, yes, dad. Then what? Then what? Uh, Fatima, do you have a boyfriend? Silence, and she says, yes. Then what? Yeah? <laughs> so, so when you ask a question, you're ready for the response. It doesn't have to be what you want. No, no, dad, I'm fine. It could be the altar. Okay. Uh, unite. Situation arises when I, when I talk about unite, I mean the family, husband, wife, spouses. Uh, as a family, unite yeah, to address the issue. Or you start fighting. It's your fault. This lady, in regards to her, her, her scenario, she, she wrote the email that they were calling her many names. It's your fault. You should have done this. You should have done that. Your son is like this because of you. There's total conflict. Blame game. It's your fault, not my fault. Let's unite on the issue. It's not about whose fault it is. We have a situation. Let's unite or you start fighting about it. Educate yourself about it. Educate about whatever it is. Educate yourself. Get some knowledge, right? Uh, or be ignorant. Seek help or implode. Just cave in. I'll deal with it. It's fine. Before you know it, marriage down the drain, um, in hospital, uh, psychotic medication, uh, depression medication because you imploded. Yeah? You couldn't have the courage to say, you know what? I need help. See, that's not easy. I'm standing up here and telling you seek help, but it's not that easy. Yeah? But consider that. Ask for help in the proper places. Love. Um, guys, you don't love the habit, you love the person. Um, it is hard it's hard to, to embrace someone that you love so much and they've done so much harm to themselves. Um, and it's easy to hate. So we need to actually start loving. Yeah? Hope or be despondent. Have that hope. Um, my dear respected brothers, I'm an example. I'm standing here today. I didn't pop out having Islamic knowledge or reading five times Salah. Uh, it was a process, journey. We all have this journey. Um, it's all about hope. And, and I know many students at ASC, subhanAllah, some of them are here. And you're six, you're seven, and now they've got three kids and so many children, and you look back and you say, do you remember that? Yes, stupid, eh? Yeah, yeah you remember it? Yeah, stupid. But they're here now. They don't live there anymore. They've moved on. They're living in a good place. So it's a journey, right? So have that hope. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the Quran for those who have oppressed themselves, have mercy, have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah? So have that hope and do not be despondent. Be thankful, my dear respected brothers. If, um, okay, there's a concept. 15 minutes. If you lose one leg, you still say alhamdulillah. Why? You got another leg, right? Whatever your condition is of your, your significant other, you say alhamdulillah. It could have been worse than that. If someone goes to jail for one year, alhamdulillah, it could have been 10 years. Yeah? It could be worse than what it is. Alhamdulillah. Because a mu'min, they are blessed both ways. If something bad happens, alhamdulillah. If something good happens, alhamdulillah. 
They did expect to embrace it with great guts, though. Um, do not run away from the situation, my dear respected brothers. Okay, I'll finish off. Um, actually, I was thinking about it. Where do you go if you're really stuck with something? Very few places. Um, there's a Muslim Women Support Center, guys. Uh, you can phone them. They can refer you on to someone else. They can at least hear your situation. There's, I spoke to Sheikh Wail Ibrahim. You can send an email to him, make an appointment. Uh, Brother Abdurrahman is my Elmi, a Roots TV that provides some services and support for young people and myself. And I'm sure there's other mashaykh that you know that if you trust, you can go to them and ask for advice. Not saying that they might help you in the whole therapeutic process, but they can advise you. Because the main thing is we stand strong, we're empowered, we're able to help other people. If we lose control of ourselves, we can't help the ones that want to help. Inshallah. So my dear respected brothers, um, I hope that didn't take much time. So uh, we have question time, isn't it? But I would like to, can, can I call, uh, yeah, um, we, we are lacking services in regards to uh, dependency on drugs and alcohol. There are many other services that are non-Muslim. There are many cells out there that are non-Muslim, which I'm not against, right? But when you have an Islamic perspective and the Quran and the Sunnah to motivate us more, I think give us some perspective. Because we are very encouraged to actually... Uh, Islam is our motivation. And I truly believe that Islam, uh, in principle, is a solution to all problems. But we thought also need to be very strategic in how we address this specific issue. Okay, that was one of the questions. Um, Oh, sister, or whoever it was. What do you think should be the limit of sharing your past to your child who is struggling in order to relate to them to an extent? Fantastic question. I'm on Facebook, right? So when I posted this, I had a message from an old friend back in the 80s and in high school. And she said, oh, very interesting. And she knows my past. So my son said, oh, dad, you're dodgy. Yeah, you're dodgy. Uh, so what did you used to do when you were young? Um, so the question is, do you share your past to help your children now? That's a good question. Two, it goes two ways. They can think, you know what? My dad turned out right, so I'll do what I'm doing. I'll turn out okay later. Yeah, it's possible. I'll have my fun now like you did, and I'll get right anyway. Um, so whether you should or not, what's the limitations? You know your child, and you know what you want to share. But I think you can always use a third person. Um, or you can use, you know what, I understand what you're going through because I've experienced something similar, but without the detail. Um, you maybe not have to, you don't have to explicitly tell or in detail your past, but convey the message, understand what you're going through, rather than um, specifically mention, you know, past events that maybe we shy of ourselves, where it wasn't consistent. Uh, is it possible on your sister? Oh, yeah? Is it possible on you? Yes, brother? Can I help? Can I please ask a follow-up question to that previous one? Yep. If, if your kid is very cunning and asks you directly, like, have you done this in the past, <laughs> what, what do you do in that situation? No. no. Total denial. <laughs> <laughs> have you drank that? No. 
Do you have a boyfriend? No. Straight up. I mean, again, up to you. It's a total. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good question, but um, if there's benefit in telling them, I don't know, but I deny most of the things. Uh, and I relate normally third person events, but that's actually me. They catch on sometimes. How come you know so much, Dad? Yeah? Uh, I just know it. Okay. Okay, what can parents do to help the children turn to them when they need? Okay, that's a good question, sister. Uh, uh, my dear respective brothers. When someone's in need, if they don't turn towards you, it means there's a, been a long progression of broken relationships. It's not something you do on the spur of the moment. Relationships take very long to build. When someone's in crisis, they normally go to the people they feel very attached to, whether it's an outsider or a family member or anyone else. They will go to the people who they're attached to. And if you didn't work on your attachment with your kids earlier, very rarely will they come to you in a moment of crisis. I wish they would, but they just don't do that. That's from my experience, inshallah. Okay, what's your advice for a person who had a close friend that started using drugs, and the person advised the friend so many times and to same drugs? Yeah. I think being, having, being in an environment where this uh, drugs being consumed and used is a very dangerous environment. Doesn't mean you're not their friend, um, but how you associate them, be very smart about it. Um, because it's a very toxic environment. It can be very, uh, very enticing to... Uh, so I'm, if I was to give advice, still be the guy's friend, but just be aware of your engagement with the person um, when they're consuming. the question about cutting off relationships and ties with people who actually are in that situation um, if you feel that's what's going to help you as an individual and your imam and your family why not there's valid reasons to do that but um, again all depends what background you're from uh, some people are born helpers they don't cut ties with people who are going through difficult times but if you feel that you're, you're going to be influenced then you need to do what you have to do but um, I'm a person that I don't really cut off ties because of a, uh, a wrong thing that someone's doing. I limit my interactions, but I don't cut off ties. Um, okay. Um, how do you prevent your kids from taking drugs and how do you stop them from trying it? That's a good one. Ex okay. In our environment, expect your child to at least experiment with marijuana. Is that, is that a harsh statement to make? Because it's so common. It is so frequent. If a child experiments with it, um, don't be alarmed by it. It's alarming when they start liking what they're doing. Um, I've, had, I've heard students say, 
Sheikh, I've tried alcohol, I hate it. Alhamdulillah. You've got off your tick box, you've done it, you hate it, move on. And you see some kids actually like doing it. That's the problem. So, preventing some from experimenting with drugs, I suppose, as we all believe, Islam is the best uh, foundation. Give them as much as you can. Um, but that still doesn't mean they will, you know, not experiment. But we ask Allah to protect our kids, inshallah, from even experimenting. Um, and look, from my, from my side, have, have that open discussion in the house. Make an agreement. You know, if you try to talk to me about it, what did you feel like? What did you do? Where did you go? How much did you have? Um, again, it's easy for me to stand here and say that, but to have that discussion is very difficult. So have that open type of attitude towards... Um, Kombucha classified as haram. I'm not sure, sister, a brother. Uh, kombucha, I've drank kombucha before, but I'm not sure it's, it's, it's halal classification. Okay, that's a good one. What are your thoughts on using drugs for performance enhancements? Example, Dexies are getting very expensive union for athletes using drugs. Dexies is upper, yeah? Well, lift the stimulant. Um, I was on a weight loss diet, couldn't lose weight, just yeah, hungry, greedy person. And I went to the doctor and gave me a, a medication. Oh, Allahu Akbar. It was like, I was on high. <laughs> it was a stimulant. It was stimulating me in all, all ways. La ilaha illallah. I lost uh, yeah, a month's course. It, um, it sort of not uh, it uh, it kills your appetite, but you're so hyper. It's an upper. The next is I'm not saying it's haram, but probably not healthy. And it says very addictive. So I think the addictive element that's the danger part. Um, I use doctor's prescriptions, but the addictiveness of that is very difficult. Um, so use it wisely, guys. And I don't, wouldn't encourage you study hard and leave the dexes out. Do the right thing. It could lead to something else. Red Bull Haram. <laughs> I actually, I used to prefer mother, but I've left that. Too much sugar. Um, I think we've covered most of the questions. Um, did I miss anything? With the Someone say any, any significant question that you'd like to discuss, inshallah? Okay, why smoking given a pass relative to alcohol and drugs when technically it should be in the same boat? Well, yeah, I think they're different type of uh, addictions. So, uh, I, I mean, yeah, smoking is quite a different level. I'm not, whether it's haram or not, but alcohol and, um, and cannabis is quite different.
Yeah, there's a question about vape, vape. Using vape and weed is halal, it's natural. <laughs> Big discussions, terrible discussions to have. The young people, their minds are like, whoa, it's creation of Allah, it's just, you know, it's natural. It's, um, Allah knows best, inshallah. So, are there any other questions, my dear respected brothers and sisters of Islam? Pardon? Uh, which ones? Could you? The most popular ones come to the clock once they get ticks. Oh. So, you notice as people tick it, the questions rise to the clock. So, we've done the. F which one did I miss out? Um, it yeah? says, What are the limits of sharing your past or potential spouse? Yeah, um. Oh, your potential spouse. Oh, that's a good one. My belief was always, that's a good one, brother. It's not my question. Uh, what, what's the limitations of sharing your past with your newly prospected spouse? Um, that's a good question. Um, how far do you want to go? How deep do you want to go? Do you accept me as I am or do you want to deep? For myself, my personal experience, um, now at the moment, not when I was younger, I was a very jealous person when I was young, but I think a discussion should be had in regards to past if you think the past will significantly affect your future relationship. Um, I, I can be frankly, um, if you're going to marry someone and, and you had a girlfriend prior to that and that person is her friend, I think you should tell her. Logically, or vice versa. You know, that girl, I used to date her. I'm not saying it's halal. I'm just, yeah, I used to date her. Um, yeah, I just want to let you know. So she knows, right? So there are certain things I think personally that you need to disclose to your wife, to your future spouse, and vice versa, inshallah. But how deep do you go? Allah knows best. Uh, because what we've done, I, I, our past is our past. We don't live there anymore. We should be accepted for who we are and what we are today. Time of the marriage, that's who we are. We don't go to the past, inshallah. Um, Allah knows best, inshallah. How do you can how do you reconcile the resentment you may both towards these families? It affects the state of one's heart. As it also comes from the place of love. Yeah, I don't understand the question. Your resentment comes from a place within. Yeah. yeah who asked that? Anyone want to elaborate on that? Um, how you reconcile resentment to you? You may build towards these families. What's these families? I'm not sure. Any other question I missed out? Chill. Is love a drug? Oh, <laughs> is love a drug? I gave a workshop on the five languages of love, guys. Um, you know the five languages of love? Oh, I should have been there. Interesting. And someone said, what is true love? And I said, what is love anyway? Um, can you define love? Is it more difficult to define true love? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think love is a very... Um, is it addictive? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's a good feeling, I know that much. 
But I, I don't think it's um, yeah. It's a good thing to have. Ah, oh, this is good. How should a dude approach a girl? Halal way. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay, okay. Halal. Huh? Okay, so answer this one. Okay. Okay, how okay, how should a person he said dude approach a girl halal way? Brother, assalamu alaikum. Simple. Um okay. My I mean there's no we're living in a different era, right? Not in a way where you go to the father and then it could be done. You go to the father and I like to, you know, talk to your daughter and arrange something. Um, there's many ways of doing it halal, respectfully. I will use the halal. There's many ways of doing it respectfully. Um, but I think, there's different scenarios, but I think uh, have the intention of not wanting to disrespect the individual or sexually manipulate her or abuse her. So I think, no, no, honestly, if, if you do want to approach someone and uh, that you're very interested in, do it with respect. Okay? Um, and and I think that should be the fundamental. Do it with respect for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where they go to, to their parents, um, the Sheikh Anwar Jali in, uh, in Rabuka, we talk about our wives, Sheikh's wives. And he goes, and his story is he went to a wedding in South Africa and his eye fell on this girl. Uh, he was much younger. He saw her, he thought about it. Uh, he liked what he saw. He had this, you know, physical attraction, so tick box, yep. She, she looked, yep. He walked over, had a discussion, had a discussion. He said within one hour, they decided to get married. Within one hour. One hour decided to get married. He approached the father, and from there, we'll come to marriage. Yeah? So that, that's one way. Your intentions. Had a discussion. They both liked what they discussed, and went to the father, got married. Um, so I wish you all the best, guys, inshallah. Um, okay. Um, what are your thoughts on the fact, facts that males who do drugs and alcohol are subject to less shame as opposed to females? Um... I think you're right. We live in a very discriminatory world. Um, my daughter always says, Dad, look at you. Look at him and look at me. You let them do that, I can't do this. And I don't know how to explain that. Um, you let them go to carousel, I don't go to carousel. You know what I tell them straight away? No offense. I said, Sister, I tell my sister, daughter, you get pregnant. It's like, that's disgusting, Dad. I'm telling you from the parent's side. The worst nightmare of a parent, yeah, is if your daughter comes home and she says, Dad, I'm pregnant. That's the worst nightmare. And that makes us really scared. It traumatizes us into oppressing on a gender basis. So we let the males go, which is discriminatory, do things that are unacceptable, and then we wrap our girls in bubbles and 
They get this little knife and they cut the bubble through and they escape. The worst outcome. So I think it's a very difficult thing to deal with, especially as males, as fathers. Um, yes, yes, I do agree there are. There is a great amount of embarrassment to the family. That's a family perspective again when it comes to growth, which is sad. It's, it's the same thing. Um, in Islam, and in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a sin, it's the same male or female. But we, the culture, we have sort of discriminated made female and male different issue. So uh, we ask Allah to protect us from that, inshallah. Um, and the boys should really understand that, be very sensitive to that. Um, the way we discriminate against our sisters at home, our siblings, that type of thing, inshallah. How big a problem is gangsterism related to drugs and alcohol? Gangsterism. Is that acting like a gangster? Yeah? Dealing drugs maybe? Is that, yeah? Gang culture? Um, very devastating. Gang culture. Wanting to be the, the, the pimp on the street. Why don't you sell the drugs? Everyone come to you. Very damaging to family members. I have first-hand experience in that. Devastating to family, um, financially. I've had parents complain of house being looted um, because of the drug addiction. Had drugs used it, had to pay the buyer back, steal everything from the house. Um, so it, it, it's devastating. Financial cost, emotional cost, spiritual cost is devastating. But then again, as we said, if it does happen to our significant you know, family members, we need to deal with it in a very appropriate manner. Um, and what is appropriate, that's a different subject. Um, uh, there's one thing I mentioned in the talk is about self-care to parents who are actually experiencing that. Um, there's so many things I missed out, guys. If we have some of our children making wrong decisions, it's not our fault. We don't have to beat ourselves up every day about that. We, need, we have a life to live, we need to move on and not blame ourselves that this beat us to support. Um, I read one uh, uh, intervention, therapist, therapeutic intervention where the concept is you will validate and support when the child complies, but when they violate it, there's consequences. They have to deal with it. I'll explain an example. When I was about 16, uh, riding a motorbike after Maghrib, well, I didn't eat Salah then, back then, days. Jumped in the motorbike, apparently my friend stole the bike, so we're riding around the street, no license, buzzing around. Police car comes up, back in the 80s, sirens, took us, locked us in a cell, yeah, and my father got the call. That, uh, Mr. Gufo, blah, 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 come pick your son up. Okay, he came down. I still remember the other kid's name was Stanley. Guess what the mom said, I don't know him. Cop, I was there, phoned his mom. She said, oh, I don't know him. <laughs> Straight up. Natural consequences. You do the crime, you're going to do the time. My father came, knocked, came, took my name, signed and took me home. Gave me a small talking, that's it. Yeah? So there's, uh, you have to have the boundaries. Um, there's natural consequence and there's support. But guess what I did after that? I still went outside and still rode the motorbike. It's not my father's fault. He did what I had to do. So what I'm saying is that we don't have to beat ourselves up. 
all the time for what our kids are doing. We need to have self-care. We need to look after ourselves. There's certain limitations we can do. You will support when it's needed, and you let go when it's not needed. Inshallah. Pardon? Sorry, can you? Oh, I don't know. I lost contact. This is way back in the eighties, brother, in Sydney. Yeah, he was an Italian, Italian kid. Probably a strong mother. I don't know him. Deal with him. Um, okay, I think that's it. Okay, how do you educate your child while the family member is in use of drugs? Yeah, that's a difficult one, right? Um, okay, based on addiction studies and personal experiences, if a person is taking drugs, you're not going to stop him. Yeah? There's a therapeutic intervention where um, it's about empowering parents to provide resources for the child to admit himself into rehab. Yeah? So you don't totally disconnect from the child, but you disconnect from the actions. Like, if they're off on drugs, disassociate with it. If they're not on the drug, you embrace them. You embrace them, bring them home, have done, have the discussion. Because you don't wanna, um, you don't make them feel that they're not human anymore, or you don't love them anymore. I just don't want to be with you when you're on drugs. I don't want you to bring drugs to my house, but I'll support you in any other way. Um, so I think there's many ways of trying to help a person, an individual that is actually either using drugs or addicted to drugs. It's a very complicated process. And sometimes as parents, we don't have that resources. We need to get extra help. But as parents, I think we need to understand that there are times that we can help, but not to solve the problem. We can't fix addictions. Yeah. Um, Islamically, you can't tell a person to read Salah his addiction will be, you know, cured. No, addiction within his, it's, it's, it's in his veins. It's something psychological. You can read Salah and still be addicted to drugs. Uh, so that's a different process for people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol, uh, is involved in alcoholism. Inshallah knows best. Um, again, it's a very complicated process, and as uh, Brother Abdul Rahman mentioned. There are a lot of people involved in it. It's a very uh, sensitive, evocative, emo emotionally evocative environment dealing with these kind of young people. Um, so, inshallah, I will finish off. And if there are any volunteers, please speak to Brother Almi. It could be, I don't know what capacity he can help. Very um, satisfying type of support by the young people, especially the young people themselves, inshallah. Ashe, all good? Are we good with time? Yeah. So, Jazakallah Khair for listening, inshallah. Um, any other questions, outstanding questions, any thoughts? Jazakallah Khair. Inshallah, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha ilaha. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati ya masihun wa salamun ala musalim wa alhamdulillah rabbil alamin. If I've said anything to offend you, um, please forgive me. Try to be as open as possible to you know, create awareness of the situation. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.